Numb Bills Fan Podcast for March 1st, 2017. It's your host, David Palermo. You can find me on Twitter at Numb Bills Fan. Also, find me on the Instagram or our, our page on Instagram, Numb Bills Fan. Also, numbillsfan.com has all of our podcasts up. Uh, Facebook, we do a live show on Facebook every Wednesday. Seven ish. Sometimes we have technical difficulties, but no matter what, you'll always have an update in our feed. So if we're not up, we'll have an excuse. But we shoot for seven every night, um, or every night. I'm sorry, every Wednesday night, and that's brought to you by BillsForLife.com, and they have the the biggest Bills Mafia group on Facebook. Um, I believe they might be close to sixty thousand members now. Join them up, get in some good conversations or some bad conversations about the Bills. Check them out. Um, shout out to Chris Williams for always hooking it up for us over there. So our Wednesday show, Facebook.com, Numb Bills fan. And it's really sweet because Adam Deacon and I, we usually go and talk some smack about the Bills, updates, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, what's going on? We get to finally like interact with comments. And I love doing this audio format. I like pretty much, honestly, you could throw me a, uh, like a traffic cone and, um, you know, a pair of scissors or something and I'll talk to it or about it. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of nice to have a platform to just talk alone. Sometimes with Deacon's nice. And at the same time, though, it is nice to have random comments just come flying in, different takes, different angles. So if you want something different than this coming up, it's pretty rad. So check that out, Wednesday nights, 7 p.m.-ish. Um, and lastly, well, not lastly, we are also brought to you by PunchDrunkSports.com. They have a sports podcast at PunchDrunk on Twitter. Pretty rad dudes. Uh, San Tripoli, Ari Shafir. And Jason Tebow have a podcast about sports, like general sports. And they're three comedians, but it ain't like they're hamming it up. Oh, you know, set up punchline. Nah, it's if you like this, how we talk to Bills on this show, on this podcast, you're going to like them because they just caught it raw. They push more boundaries than I, I do. Um, but it, it's it's pretty sweet. It's And, and they got good ass perspectives, like for real, as real sports fans. And lastly, don't forget, ShadyRays.com. Punch in the code NUMBILLSFAN. All one word. Punch in the promo code. You'll get 25% off. That's 25% off. And there's a LaShawn McCoy Signature Edition Shady Rays as well. And they're pretty fly. And if you want to see what we're up to, hey, we got a Shady Rays on. So check that out. ShadyRays.com. Now, Next up, I got one of my favorite people ever to talk bills with, and that's Nate Geary from WGR. He is now part of 
cover1.net. So here we go. All right, so on the line we have with us Nate Geary from WGR. And, um, Nate, just give us some info. Where can we find you? What are you doing with cover1.net? Um, you know, what's up? Yeah, man. It's Well, it's, you know, as much as you'd think that the off season is the downtime of the year, it's actually uh, a bit of a more busy time for me for content purposes. As you mentioned, Cover One, um, Eric and I uh, really kind of partnered up this year, um, really in the off season to try to bring as much content as we can. So you can catch me at Nate Geary, WGR. It's uh, N-A-T-E-G-E-A-R-Y-W-G-R. That's on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm, uh, I'm excited to, uh, obviously still working at WGR. I'll be, uh, you know, still on Saturdays and everything like that and, and, and doing some nightcap stuff will be on tonight as well for that. But, uh, but yeah, for, for right now, uh, a lot of my web content is going to be going right through cover1.net. Um, and if you haven't checked that out yet, you should, because if it's not just for my purposes, uh, Eric is, uh, what I would call a, a film guru. Um, so someone that you definitely want to follow and you can cover him or you can follow him over at, uh, on Twitter as well at, at cover one. Yeah, I, I will say, um, you know, even though numb bills fan is not part of bills fanatics anymore. Uh, thankfully for bills fanatics, I mean, I was telling you on Twitter right before we joined up, like, you're kind of like my man crush, man. Cause you're like the young <laughs> guy, you're the young right. guy that's just coming up. You're not afraid to tell people what you think. I'll be honest. I listen to you a lot of times on the way home, and I'm like, God damn it, Nate. Do I got to fucking call in right now? You know, I'm like, <laughs> and, I, and, I get, and I get like, you know, and uh, I think I did the last home game. I actually did call you, and I wanted to call back to follow up, and I'm like, no, nah, I'll, I'll not. But um, it's like one thing that was cool about Bills fans, I got to meet you face-to-face. You were really cool. And also I got to link up with, with Eric Turner over there at Cover 1, and I really like Bobby out there. Yeah, Bobby's great um, as well. Bobby's yeah, I cool, dude. I forget about Bobby, but Bobby, dude, Bobby's uh, Bobby, in the yeah, background. Don't let Bobby yeah. fool you. Bobby fucking sees everything, man. Don't let Bobby fool you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it was really, I'm really fortunate to because to to link up with you guys because you know I know you're on top of everything from media wise to X's and O's. Eric Turner, uh, Cover One dot net. What is it? Cover One Bills. Yep, Cover some... One Bills on Twitter, um, and then Cover One dot net. Yeah, I mean. It, it's kind of crazy where we've come really, um, really just in the past, I would say a couple weeks, maybe month, two months. Um, it's been chaos really, for you guys. Yeah, I mean, well, we've added a whole bunch of people to cover one as well. But what we're doing is we're trying to really spread ourselves out as much as possible and just bring as much content as we had, as we can, you know, because to me, as much as there is a lot of great content, Bill's Fanatics as well, but a lot of great blogs. Um, I, I think what we're trying to do is, is separate ourselves on a more X's and O's level um, and try to bring you the content that you're not necessarily going to get from um, your average blog, your average you know, podcast, everything like that. We're trying to kind of bring it all into one and really kind of bring a more user-friendly experience. And so far, so good. I mean, uh, you know, it, it has been really fun working with Eric because he does really bring a, a, a similar perspective to me. Uh, because, you know, me having played the game for, for a real long time and, and studying the way I did, getting hands-on experience, Eric, um, you know, is what the, the knowledge that he has, um, you know, I can tell you firsthand is, is, is bar none some of the, the most knowledgeable, um, you know, as terms of X's and O's, but just from the game standpoint itself, um, Eric knows what the hell he's talking about, that's for sure. He, he is my go-to guy, and if you want to round out the triangle of, like, you know, he was coach guy, and player guy and a college ball player and you got you you did that for a while and it's like you know if you want to round out the triangle i'm the 
the guy who's never played a lick of organized football <laughs> in my life. But, like, I mean, I did do hard work things like wrestling in high school for all four years. I played hockey now the last few years of my life that I actually, like, love because now you get to apply all this around draft time. You're talking tangibles. You talk measurables. You yep. talk about heart. I actually, like, and get to that apply is- that to hockey now, which is crazy. Right. I mean, you said it exactly. Like, a lot of those same attributes – um, you know, it, it, it crosses into the realm of other sports as well. So, um, you know, really any knowledge um, is, is what I'll say is knowledge is always power. And that's why I'm always kind of trying to, um, you know, pick up on new techniques and, and, and learning um, new ways to, you know, break down film or, um, you know, learning new ways to evaluate players. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting time now, especially with as much film as, as the common person is, is, you know, essentially given access to. Um, it's important to, to be able to give people different angles, different perspectives, especially with everything that they have access to. You know, nobody wants, um, you know, the same thing they could get on ESPN or the same thing they can get on, you know, you name the website. So it, it's important, I think, to try to stand out as much as possible. And I think we're doing that. Yeah. The, the, to wrap up on your point with that, because I, I'm keeping you here for five minutes on just that alone. So it's like um, what I like about it is, um, you know, I love the radio. It's mostly opinion. You work there, and it's not a bash. It's just the truth. It's right. You have to drive a revenue. There is a thing. You have to get people to listen. I'm not saying that the conversations are bad conversations. Those great conversations. At the same time, it needs to go past, for me, a fifth-grade level of reading into stuff. And that's pretty much why this podcast started, which is more on the opinion side, which is, hey, who can we ding against for actual statistics and opinion? Yeah. I can talk to I can talk to Eric at CoverOne.net. Shoot him a text. Yo, I think this is so and so. How are you feeling? No, actually, that's completely wrong. I disagree. He actually moves like crap. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. Now I know that from a guy, it's like having Mike Mayock, which yeah. in your back pocket. You know what I mean? Yeah. As far as like film evaluation guy, and for you to to have that background, now you have a network of legitimate right. people who at least if they're going to do it, even if they haven't played that much of it or none at all that you guys are going to work with, like everybody's going to do their due diligence and, and at least be correct. Try to be as correct as possible. And that's where, you know, we're not just throwing hot takes out there. I, I, right. I, I'm talking to you guys. So, um, yeah. So anyways, so check it. Um, you know, you got the NFL combine coming up. Um, Sean McDermott talked at the Combine today, and really, you know, Tyrod came up, you know, some cornerbacks, et cetera, et cetera. What, were, what, what are you looking to get out of, uh, out of that? Like, how do you look at this real quick, get off our chest, the Tyrod update? Like, like where are you with the Tyrod thing? Yeah, I mean, it, it is at this point kind of been de- uh, been beaten down um, this point. And, you know, obviously, as we move closer to this, uh, to this March 12th, I think, deadline, um, you know, it, the situation has become more fluid. It, it, it seems to me the pressure on the on the organization has been amped up, and as it should be, as we get closer to that deadline for um, opting in or choosing to opt out of his contract. Um, I'll tell you, man, I, I'm right in the middle on this. I, you know, I, I I've been pretty consistent on my thoughts that this team, if they do intend on um, you know, correcting the things that they had wrong last year that they're going to need to move on and find a new quarterback that can be effective through the air. Um, but I, 
I'm also in the same neighborhood and I'm still on the same mindset that, you know, Tyrod's likely the best guy you'll be able to put in a Bills uniform next season. Um, so it's difficult for me to really come up with a, you know, solid opinion on what exactly it is I want for this team moving forward. I think what it is to me is I want to see a plan in place and I don't know that any plan that I'm interested in pursuing includes Tyrod Taylor. Um, and, and for me, what it is, is is I go back to the Browns a lot and looking at what the plan they decided to put in place was. And it's, listen, we, we've tried to rebuild quickly. And that's really been the Bills, is they've tried to rebuild on the fly opposed to really breaking everything down and starting back from scratch. And to me, if... Uh, the, today, the announcement of bringing back Kyle Williams, I think, was a fan favorite move. I don't know that it was my favorite move. I think a plan for me that I would have been very comfortable with is if the Bills decided, listen, we're going to move on from contracts that we felt we lost on. And, and I'm not trying to suggest Kyle Williams is a contract this team's lost out on, but it, it, moving forward, guys like Jerry Hughes, guys like um, Charles Clay, guys like LaShawn McCoy, I don't necessarily think they've lost those contracts, but when you're looking forward into the future, what do the roles of those kind of players play on your future of your roster? And I don't know um, that there is, if there's a correct plan in place. So for me, um, with, you know, kind of circling back to the whole Tyrod Taylor point, I I don't know. I'm not really in love with, um, you know, the locking him in long term now obviously when you do lock him in it's really just a two-year contract you'll able you'll be able to after two years um you know decide to opt out of it again but my whole thought process is is i I need to see a plan in place and if that plan includes tyrod taylor i want to know what the plan is for them the future are they drafting a quarterback early is they have to at some point i think address the quarterback position whether it's in free agency with a veteran or in the draft um but i'd like to see a plan and if that plan includes tyrod taylor i want to know what the future holds all right, so I got a couple questions for you, and sure. and uh, kind of like a follow up. So you know I'm I'm all team faithful guy here. So um, real quick, West Coast offense is that what Rick mm-hmm. Dennison runs? Oh uh, yes. Is that um, what they say? And, that that's like what? So describe to the, the listeners like pretty much like what does that mean? Doesn't that mean get the ball out quick? You know, and your timing and your anticipation has to be there. Right, and when you when you talk about out a West Coast offense, you're thinking of the Bill Walsh system. You're thinking of that uh, that that's old forty niners offense, right? And uh, that's the grandfather of the West Coast offense. What it predicates on is just as what you said: uh, timing and anticipation and throwing players open. But what it a lot a, a lot of it includes is that short to intermediate passing game that I think we've over the past two years seen Tyrod Taylor really struggle in. So that's where I start to worry about how he might fit in this potential offense. Now, I don't think it's necessarily the West Coast offense that you should pay attention to in evaluating what Dennison brings. I think it's I think it's his running attack and it's going to be a little bit different than what you're used to seeing over the past two years with Anthony Lynn and Greg Roman. It's more of a zone one cut scheme which I don't think necessarily fits what we have in LaShawn McCoy, a guy that is more of a east-west to get north-south runner when really this offense is going to require a guy that's going to be a one-cut guy. I think Mike Gillisley really fits this offense really well. I think he can continue having really good success in that high five to six yards per carry average. I think he can maintain that in this offense. Now, LaShawn McCoy, I, I, I think that there is a going to be a concerted effort to make sure that they're creative with him and how they get him the ball. And the same can be said about Tyrod. I think you can look at this offense and going to be trying to move the pocket with Tyrod, trying to get him outside of the pocket and, and do what he does best, and that's really improvise and throw on the run. I don't know how successful uh, this offense can be 
with Tyrod trying to run the West Coast scheme. I just don't see him fitting well into that. Now, are they just going to run a scheme that it's because it's what they run and, and they're, they're not going to tailor that to their offense? I, I think that would be a mistake on the coaching staff's part, and I don't think you bring in a coach and say, here's what you have for players run your scheme. I think you have to kind of do what Anthony Lynn did last year and, and that's kind of improvise and, and, and run a, a more, um, maybe a less sophisticated scheme, but something that's going to fit the personnel that you have. So, you know, what's weird is, is, I mean, um, I get what you're saying with the whole zone thing and the whole one cut deal. But when I heard that they were going to a, a, a West coast offense, a couple things came to mind. Um, you know, the Seattle game with Tyrod Taylor, I thought this year was one of his best games. And it was very unfortunate that the f- team did what the Bills do, which is figure out how to blow it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I really miss the days, believe it or not, of the Changeli offense. And Fitzpatrick I- knew where that ball was going to go within three steps. It was out. How many times did you sh- you see Stevie Johnson on a slant. So what I'm trying to say is that I got this weird conspiracy. All right. I think the Bills could have been throwing, could be trying to, how can we lie as long as possible? After they lose their last game, I don't believe anything. Like, I don't believe anything the team says after their ending presser. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. What if the whole play was the Bills maybe put out they were interested in McCoy? Maybe they did really interest, want interest in him. And you got a guy that is under the radar, Rick Dennison, that has been part of a lot of great offense with Kubiak. Yeah. And, and, and it's nothing to sneeze at. And, and I don't like the concern. Well, he's never called plays. Okay, dude, if there's anybody who's qualified to call plays, it's that guy. So give him a chance. It doesn't mean he's stupid. Stop. That does not mean anything to me, you got to give the guy a little bit more credit than that. And I just look at it like, what if this is some crazy master plan? Because Tyrod is very affordable. He is not much money for that position. I mean, you had guys like Tyler Thigpen playing for $4 million a year. You had Brad Smith playing for $4 million a year. There's $8 million a year in the Changeli era on garbage. Like, garbage. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, yeah. Tyrod Taylor, it, yeah, it sucks, but... I mean, I think I think you got to worry about Marcel Darius staying high or not passing his drug test, I should say, more than you do paying Tyrod Taylor money. You, you follow what I'm saying? Like, you're not going to do – you can't – like, I, what if they look at it like you can't do better, but, hey, here's a list of guys that think that could work with Tyrod, and you're telling me that the coaching staff primarily or that offensive coordinator who wanted Tyrod Taylor in Denver wants him? I think there's – a lot of people don't want to read into that too deep, but I think if you're right out on paper, who you want to coach that guy, I don't think you could do any better. Yeah, and I mean, I, I understand your point, and I don't know that the decision to opt in or opt out of Tyra Taylor's uh, option here really, to me, has anything to do with, with money. That's uh, what, to that's me, what it, the media says, though, mostly. Yeah, and, and, and it's not, to me, about the money. What it, to me, is is it's about what this team is what this team is and where it's it's been and where it needs to be. And when you look back at their, let's put it frankly, their inability to find a franchise quarterback since Jim Kelly has really held this franchise back. Now people will say, okay, well, Tyrod Taylor is the best quarterback this team has had in that era. And I would tend to agree with you, but that is not something that you can use as a, you know, a scale to say, Hey, listen, he's the best we've got. We got to move on. Well, no, to me, now, 
if this was an Andrew Luck draft where you had Andrew Luck, Robert Griffin, and all these quarterback prospects that were that seemed to be top notch, you know, maybe you would feel more comfortable. I for the guys that are available, the top four or five guys in this draft in the, in the at the quarterback position in this draft can all be professional players. Now, whether or not they'll be franchise quarterbacks, that's another question. Um, but the thing is, is I think this franchise needs to find a someone and put someone in place to really evaluate the position, not only evaluate but figure out how to create a success at the position in the future. And I think the only way you do that is if you continue exploring the draft and, and, and drafting a guy every year until you find something. And, and the Patriots are notorious for this, okay? Drafting guys, whether it's in the fourth or fifth round, when you have Tom Brady, the Patriots have drafted more quarterbacks in the Tom Brady era than the Bills have. And that, to me, is just absolutely 100% inexcusable. And, and it's something that I think has really been the underlying issue of this team is they're un- I guess there, it's it's either inability or unwillingness to really not only invest in the position, but find someone to find to, to to really give an answer to the questions that I think a lot of us have had over the past sixteen or seventeen years here. And it's how do you find a franchise quarterback? And sometimes I'm going to tell you this right now: it's luck. But you need to you need to take the chance to kind of be uh, rewarded with it. Well, I, I kind of have uh, uh, I, I've always had the opposite perspective. In a way of, yes, I would like to draft a quarterback, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, I don't know. This seems a, I always buy into whatever they do, you know. But now I'm kind of thinking about it. And it's like Doug Whaley's staff has a tendency to find very good dust settle free agents, as he calls them, and guys who can contribute right away. And you know what? Not for nothing. I would rather have that guy, maybe that quarterback, fourth fifth round later maybe if not every year maybe two out of three years until that problem yeah, is solved that's how I feel. and Absolutely. get that guy that smoked too much weed get that guy that got in a fight who cares honestly dude and i might be in the minority i have a question to kind of rattle off that so like my perspective is is like now i'm kind of like yeah you know what you're good at filling in the other positions. I mean, you're going right. to cut a lot of those guys now. In the Chan Kaley era, dude, you with, with Buddy Nix's first go around, man, every guy just about made the roster from that draft for like right. three years. And now it's kind of like we're thinning the herd. Well, you never know. I will argue left and right, up and down, that the dude ain't going to see enough reps. The CBA is too screwed. I've been saying it since before this podcast to my buddies. Like, yo, eventually football is going to go downhill. And now you're trying to replace Tom Brady. Tom Brady can play in this league forever now because the kids don't have to play in a pro-style offense. And, in fact, here's a question for you. You have Cardale Jones where he is now. Um, I have my friend Scott Campbell that's sitting next to at the games, and uh, he writes some articles for us here and there. And, you know, he really, like, likes the idea of Watson at 10. And then uh-huh. I kind of want to know, who's who Who would you take? Ready? Cardale Jones, now, okay? Uh-huh. That Watson kid, or never mind the whole, like, what would happen and the pressure and this and that, just player ability or Chad Kelly. I think Chad Kelly's off the board for me. Um, I, I just don't have any real interest in, in bringing him in. And, you know, I, it's, it's not only to me, the off the field issues. It is a lot to me. Um, it, I, I don't believe that he has an NFL 
um, caliber arm. I don't believe he truly can make all the throws like a lot of people indicate really? that he can. Um, I, I don't think that he, what he reminds me a lot of is more of a fleeter foot Joe Licata. Um, uh, maybe, maybe a little bit better arm than Joe, uh, but Joe got into a pro camp himself. Um, so, you know, it, it was certainly strong enough to be into a pro camp, whether or not it was strong enough to, for him to stick on, obviously not. That's um, you, but, that's, that's you be Joe Licata for correct, people. Correct. Yeah. And, um, but no, I, you know, Chad does have an NFL arm. He'll get to the, he'll, he'll a team will either draft him or sign him up in free agency. Um, but I don't see him ever really starting a game in the NFL. I just don't. So for me, if, if I'm choosing between Cardell Jones now and Deshaun Watson at 10, um, uh, to be truthfully, to be boldly honest, I'm going to say Deshaun Watson. I, I am in the camp. I, um, I do like Watson a lot. I think he has some inconsistencies with his accuracy, which is an issue, but you cannot overstate the importance and his ability in clutch time to be a clutch performer. And, and I think that is something that you can't coach. It's not something that you can, um, you know, try to teach down the line. This is something you're either born with or you just don't have it. And for him to put up the numbers that he did against Alabama in the two national championship games the past two years is, is more than impressive because you have to look at who the personnel on those Alabama defenses were. And a lot of them not only are first-round picks but are starters or will be starters in the NFL this year. Um, so it, to me, it, it can't be overstated enough. I really, really like Deshaun Watson. Um, whether or not he's going to be a, a bona fide you know, NFL franchise quarterback, I don't know. But it's someone I would like to take a chance on if the price is right. Okay, so that answers that. Um, I like that, that Watson breakdown, man. We haven't really had one yet, so... NFL Combine, what are you looking to see with the NFL Combine? As we know, um, you know, it's you can call it the Underwear Olympics, you can call it whatever you want. It's pretty much a tool. Yeah, we use it for the medical, the interviews. I mean, what what are you looking for? Well, I'll tell you, let's stick uh let's stick to uh, what we were just talking about with Deshaun Watson. Uh Watson said he's going to throw at the combine. I'm interested. Now, you're not going to really get a realistic look. I, I think you get a better look at a guy's throwing ability during his pro day. Um, but I, I like the fact that he's going to be throwing at, at the combine. So I'm going to be looking at that a little bit, seeing how he throws um, you know, when the circumstances aren't ideal. And that's what you get to. You kind of get thrown in the fire, thrown to receivers that you've never thrown to before. Um, so, you know, it can, tend, it can tend to make you look bad. So I'm, I'm interested to see how he reacts. Another thing I'm really looking at, Jabril Pepper's safety from Michigan. I am excited to see what he runs in his 40-yard dash. It's something I'm going to be paying very close attention to. If he is a sub 4-5, he could completely turn around some of the narrative that has been surrounding him in this pre combine pre-draft process that people think he plays slow um people think he's going to run slow and that's going to hurt his draft stock and he could i've seen mock drafts have him as early as four and as late as mid second round so his there's a lot of chatter about where exactly peppers goes so his 40 yard dash and his three cone drill are going to be huge in and i think um where his draft stock really starts to go after the combine other than that um, there are a few other guys I'll be keeping my eye on. Um, O.J. Howard, um, another guy, a tight end that I'll really like, and I and I really even like for the Bills in the first round, even though they do have Charles Clay. First um, round. Howard's, I, I know, but he's a guy I'm going to be paying attention to. Um, and Leonard Fournette is another one I'm going to be pay, paying attention to, not necessarily for the Bills, 
Um, but he came into the combine weighing 240 pounds. So I'm excited to see what he runs in the 40-yard dash and just how big he, he looks. Um, he weighs more than Derrick Henry does. Um, so I'm interested to see if he is out of shape or if that is on purpose and he was bulking up for the, uh, for the NFL run. Whoa. So, you know, you mentioned safety position. Um, now the combine for me, what I like about the combine is, um, and as everybody knows, I, I I refuse to get this early in the draft talk. I'm sorry. I like to wait till free agency hits. Usually, um, but now now I'm starting to cram. You know what I'm saying? But usually, uh-huh. like when I actually think about it, it's after free. As far as plugging holes, after free agency hits. Um, just because I'll torture myself with information. And when you go to find information, everybody's talking, at least audio-wise, top 50, 60 picks. And the only reason I want to know those names is that way I know who to root for in, like, the third mm-hmm. round that falls through the cracks, you know? Right. So um, what I like to see at the combine myself is guys to look up. And I remember one guy that I liked watching at the combine, believe it or not, was Colin Kaepernick. And um, I, I thought the way he threw the ball – the kid just had, like, a killer, like, major league zip to it. Like, it didn't uh-huh. have that typical college ball loft. And I understand you're throwing on air. But the way he – I just thought the velocity he threw with was just, like, a lot different than the people who was throwing around him, which might sound weird. But that's kind of something where I took note of that. And then, you know, when he started at San Francisco, I kind of I kind of rooted for him, you know. So I was like, oh, yep. that's cool. Just, and, and also, you get to see guys' top five numbers of each position, top ten numbers. Well, now you might be like, well, who the hell is this guy? And then pop on some highlights, pop on some tape, you know, if you got some game passes or something, any way to get it. Um, but so next up on, on my docket real quick was uh, the safety position. So I had some thoughts. You got Aaron Williams, you know, at the Combine today, Sean McDermott mentioned uh, – Oh, I've been following Aaron Williams since he was at Texas, yada, 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 yada. So he hammed it up about Aaron Williams. And hopefully, you know, it sounds like they're trying to butter him up to make a decision to stay and actually come play. And um, and, and an interesting guy to me with Gilmore's contract being up, um, I think a wild card is Corey Graham. Um I think when you have a coaching transition, having the, the utility knife guys around is a smart move. And I just don't know, like, Corey Graham, like, I don't, I don't know the game well enough to know if he would be fine in a primarily zone defense if he was to play a cornerback. You know what I'm saying? Because he could be cornerback yeah. depth. And that could be a wild card if what I think – I think the Bills maybe should at least take a look on, or I should say kick the tires, believe it or not, is I think they should kick the tires in Jersburg. I know it might be nuts. I haven't listened to any radio, no, dude, I, so I don't know I'll if this is this. like a dead topic. I don't think it's nuts because here's the thing. You, you'll likely get Jersburg for pretty cheap. Um, uh-huh. I mean, maybe a couple, three or four million at mm-hmm. the very most. Um, he already his, got his paid. His father... His father is the Bills' defensive backs coach. Exactly. Um, exactly. And, and I think that's something you really have to look at. Um, your Corey Graham point, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just think that there's a really good chance that, uh, that Graham is designated in that, June, that post-June first cut. Um, I also think he could be cut before that. 
um, because of the potential cap space that they could uh, alleviate by cutting him. I also think that uh, even though they don't have a ton of depth at the position, a guy like Jairus Bird would likely take the position of, of Graham. Now, I, for in my experience, um, the transition from corner to safety is a much easier transition than from safety to corner. Um, it, so to me, that it's going to be tough. And, and at his age, um, he's certainly lost a step. And I think that's been pretty evident, especially last year towards the end of the season. Um, but we'll see with Corey Graham. Um, it's an interesting guy because he's already on the roster, but there certainly needs to be at least some sort of overhaul to safety position because I just don't think at this point you can count on Aaron Williams. Well, the, th- the thing is, though, is Corey Graham was initially a cornerback. You know what I'm saying? And when he was asked to play corner under Doug Marone and with Schwartz, he – I thought should have been on the field more. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, and, I agree and, with that. Absolutely. And, and, and what I'm trying to say is if you're in a zone defense, you know, again, everybody's been saying it. You have Josh Norman. You ran a four or six at the combine. I, I don't, I, I wonder if that's an option to them. I mean, it, it, it certainly is. And here's why. I mean, because I, I think he's there. He's on the roster already. Um, and, and as you said, he, he is sort of one of those, you know, Jack, those uh, Swiss Army knives and, and can play a few positions and has experience playing corner. I just don't know that at this point in his career, um, it, it, it's a smart move for him, not only as a player, but at, for the defense. We'll see, though. Uh, you're right, though. Uh, Josh Norman's a great name to bring up because he didn't run a, blazing, a blazingly fast 40 time at the, at the combine. But, um, you know, I don't know that that matters in his own defense. I think you're right. And, and put it this way, if if Jarvis Bird don't come, which I think would be a very smart move to get Bird. He's on a cheap. He got paid. He knows what to expect there. The, the roster's way different. And I'm not trying to make a sales pitch for Bird, but I just think he was injured so often over there. They're like, yep, this is over. And even Rob Ryan, we touched on it on our own podcast about a year ago. Um, you know, Rob Ryan had him brought in in, in, in New Orleans, and, and Rob Ryan made a comment in an interview that, like, yeah, they pretty much bring in personnel that I can't use. So, you know, yeah. we, we've seen Jarvis Bird play what he's going to be asked to play very successfully. And if he's teamed up with Aaron Williams, that would be really, really sweet. But you might just only have Corey Graham. You know what I mean? Out of the three. Yeah. But, um, yeah. No, I hear you. It's it's one of those things, and it's it's a position that they certainly need to address. Really, the defensive backfield as a whole, they really need to address. And in and, and, and my perfect world, quickly – um, I, it, it is a Bills trading back out of that tw- out of that tenth spot, maybe to the middle of the first round. Um, I think that this draft, especially at the landscape of the quarterbacks, let's say now the Bills are at ten and all, the top three quarterbacks off, are off the board. That to me is a huge indication that one. You could very well trade back because some of those players that should have gone in the top 10 are going to move back, but it could also mean that a top five player falls into their lap at 10, so they may not want to move out. But to me, this team has a lot of holes they need to fill, and I think the only way you can do that, especially with limited cap space, is through the draft and, and, and trading back and getting as many picks as you can, um, and that's my goal at least for this draft. And, and I agree with you to piggyback on that because – I think that's a big, big reason that they haven't mentioned anything about Tyrod Taylor. They want to keep people guessing as long as possible. It's it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer of, of yeah. why they would keep people guessing. Um, how much more time you got? You got to wrap up? I do. I got to get. I got to prep for my show tonight. Awesome, man. So where can we find you tonight? 
Uh, I will be on WGR starting at 7. We had the NHL trade deadline today, so um, I don't know how much football we'll be talking tonight, but I'm sure with the, uh, you know, with the Sean McDermott presser today, we will be getting to that at some point. Um, so, yeah, you can catch me at WGR 7 to 9 tonight on the nightcap with Ryan Gates. Um, so, yeah, check it out. And you're on there regularly, right? Like, that's aren't you there every night? Um, is well, I should be for the most part now, um, now that I'm off medical leave, so I should be back um, doing that just about every night. There's not a Sabres game or a Bandits game. Typically, it's about two or three nights a week. Sweet, man. And what's your Twitter handle again? I am at Nate Geary, W-G-R, N-A-T-E-G-E-A-R-Y-W-G-R. Make sure you, uh, you throw me a follow. Awesome, Nate. Thanks, man. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you soon before the draft. Yeah, I know Eric is pretty busy, so uh, have a good show tonight, all right? Thanks, brother. Appreciate That's it. Even. Really appreciate Nate coming on. He's a, uh, he's a nice kid. Works hard, does his thing. Really into his craft and proven day by day. He's on the radio. He takes advantage of opportunities. You know, I mean, it's, it's hard work. Those guys on the radio, they don't make anything. Like, really, they don't. And that's crazy. So um, I have a lot of respect for him because during the season, he's working crazy hours, crazy hours. So really, um, even though you we, we might not agree with everybody we hear, you know, a lot of people like to hop on some other guys that are on radio stations. You still have to appreciate the hustle. Um, it, it's a grind doing radio. I remember talking to a guy recently, and I go, yeah, man, I just wish I could make, like, X amount of bucks in radio. He goes, yeah, good joke. <laughs> he goes, yeah, good joke. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, so thanks to Nate, the Combine, NFL Combine, as far as I'm concerned, I love building up a backlog of names to watch for later in drafts where it's like, oh, wow, that guy showed up faster than this other guy that has a pedigree or he just showed more potential. And it makes people, the draft evaluators, go back, rewatch some tape, a.k.a. backpedal off their takes as well. You know, so it's it, it, it's kind of fun, you know, and everybody has a bunch of mock drafts, and uh, I don't even re- I have not read one mock draft. I could care less. Um, the only reason, again, I would read a mock draft is to see who falls late. I'll never forget a mock draft that had the Bills the year they drafted E.J. Manuel, and they traded back to get E.J. Manuel, drafting Ryan Nassib, like, and not trading back. I'm like, okay. So, that's, I don't know. Combine, confirm your numbers. What do you see about these guys? What do you want to know about these guys? Okay, they look good on tape. But really, when you hear people talk about the combine, they train for these drills. So, it's not really football. It's not really showing your intelligence. What it really is, is it's... It's a pressure cooker situation for these kids. I think their last day, I think they're there for like three days or something, and their last day is the actual drills that you see on TV. And it's a grind for these kids, man. You got to give them a lot of credit, too, you know, because they're going to come off this combine after training for the combine. And then they're going to go into a, 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 the draft. They're going to hit a rookie mini camp. 
And then they're going to have a little bit of time off before they hit training camp. But any rookie that actually cares about their craft is going to be grinding. Grinding. So really, they don't even get a break until after the rookie year. So, and you hear about these rookies coming in and in about week 8 to week 10, they're starting to, you know, they hit what you call rookie wall. And they run out of steam. So, you know, I, I wish they did more things that acclimate the football. Like, your 40 time is very important. But a guy who can run a 40 time with proper technique versus a guy who can't is going to win the battle. So, you, you kind of got to... Um, Sometimes you got to take these numbers with a grain of salt. I don't know what to what to always buy into with with the numbers. I don't know much about training to train for the combine. But when you hear guys like Donald Jones on the John Murphy show say, "Yeah, we were trained to cheat the drills." It doesn't mean cheat them. It means best techniques you can learn. To get to where you got to be. So you got one chance to impress the scouts. You got another chance to impress the scouts at your pro day. If they come to your school, which I'm sure they will if you're at the combine. But you also get to talk to the coaches, answer questions. They say just be honest with everybody. If you're a player, just be honest. Just own it. Everybody knows everything. They talk to the creepiest people. They ask the creepiest questions of you. They'll talk to security on your campus. They'll talk to friends of yours from high school. They'll talk to everybody. This combine stuff is... It's pretty pretty weird in a way. I mean, I get it, you know, but it's like when I hear guys talk about draft time, well, you want a guy, he's going to be there a decade. He's going to be there a decade. And it's like, yo, maybe not. There's a salary cap. I say it all the time. If Sammy Watkins is a is a generational or whatever the hell you want to call him, really worth two first-round picks wide receiver, and he don't have a quarterback in the next two years that can actually get him the ball more than he is now, I think Sammy Watkins is going to be that guy who's good on your team for five years. He ain't going to be a guy who's good on your team for 10 years because you don't know if he's that good if you can afford him. See Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, he's a corner that can probably play in the league for eight to 10 years. But you can't re-sign him or he's not going to. So, I don't know. I like the combine to to find out who who should the biggest thing I think with the combine really could be too. Can you follow instructions? Are you going to train in the off season and get your ass into the best shape you can to get the best times? Because if you do worse on your times than somebody else, it doesn't help you. So you might as well do the best you possibly can, even if that means deteriorate your body even more after a, a rough season. And that's what you got to do. You get one shot. But there's going to be some names at this combine that you're going to want to pay attention to. Just take a look at the top five, the top ten of each positional group. Take a few of them. Look at their measurables. 
Look, look at the notes. Everybody, there's going to be a plethora of notes from, from everybody. You know, maybe grab, use the combine as a tool to develop, to de- develop your, your, your Bills draft portfolio. You know, keep this draft interesting. We got nothing to do this offseason. So this is it. This is where getting your chess pieces in order. This is pretty interesting stuff. Once the draft is done, I'm kind of, once free agency hits, I'm pretty stoked. Because I'm like, oh, go look at this guy. I probably like free agency just as much as I like the draft. So, at non Bills fan here, what we're going to do is uh, keep building that draft portfolio. Pretty much us taking some data. Nate Geary was great. He gave us some some information. Um, you know, some some stuff I'm hearing. The tackles in this draft aren't too good. Interior linemen are better than the tackles. And, you know... There could be a good amount of running backs allegedly taken in the first round. I heard someone say, like, four. And I was like, what? So, who knows? Um, but what's neat is you're going to get a lot of questions answered at the Combine. And you're going to see some more shuffling. So, now things will get interesting. And, um, you know, tune back to us soon. We're brought to you by NumbillsFan.com. We're brought to you by PunchDrunkSports.com. And BillsForLife.com, our Facebook live show Wednesdays around 7-ish. Don't quote me on it, 7-ish, because we've had some technical difficulties. Uh, we try to bring you a presentation in a way. Like We have a, a little cute border. You know, we're not just doing this Facebook live from our car on a Wednesday night. We're not doing that. You know, I'm not waiting for my girl in the restaurant. No. I'm just doing my thing with Deacon usually. Numb Bills, Adam D, find him on the Twitter, and we'll answer all your comments, and you could come talk some smack, man. Let's get let's get this rolling, or man, I shouldn't say that. All right. See you later. Find me. Numb Bills fan. Bye-bye. All right. I don't like that. Bye-bye. All right. See ya. Goodbye. Subscribe on iTunes if you haven't yet, or whatever your podcast thing is. And find us on Facebook Live, 7-ish. Facebook.com, Numpills Fan. All right, no, really, we're done. Bye.